It's hard to make it through a week like last week without hearing all about the haunts and the spooks, to be involved in the trick-or-treating, and undoubtedly the odd conversation about what scares you. Then, for us Catholics, it's also very hard not to think about saints and holiness, and also remember all those who have died. Which made me think about fear. There are some who love the thrill of being scared. There are some who would say that facing our fears is good, maybe even good therapy. I don't know. There are some who would rather never face their fears. While there isn't a place in the Bible where we are called to be fearless, there are hundreds of places where we are told not to be afraid. Does that mean that we should ignore our fears? Does it mean that we should act despite our fears? Perhaps. Is that what makes saints holy? Scripture tells us that love conquers all fear. We're supposed to always act out of love, not out of fear. Nothing we do as Christians should be motivated by fear. If what you preach, the articles you share, the conversations you have, even the good that you do is motivated by fear, you are not letting love conquer your fears. Instead, let love motivate what you do. That's what made the saints holy. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Billy Chen. And I'm Emily Callen. And Emily yeah. Callen is back. We're so happy, Emily. I'm, we're sure that you were not listening to the Salt and Light Hour for the last month. What are you talking so about? So we have to tell you that every week we the were truth. like, and Emily, and it, Billy was crying. Oh, Billy. And we were missing you. And, and, uh, I think we said I, I we miss you, you for guys. all the time. Every time. Every That's time. all we did. We just oh. we missed. And then it was so happy because I, and I would say, well, Emily's going to join us on the phone. Yeah. Yes. And it was like the highlight of the week. Oh. Um, so there you, you guys go. Are sweet. So Emily is is back. Um, and if you want to sh- listen to all those programs without Emily. <gasps> Ooh, I know where I need to go. Where do you need to go? <laughs> saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Yes. Saltandlighttv.org slash radio. So that's where all our shows are archived. If you're missing any parts of these programs, we know a lot of people listen to this program in the in the car. Um, maybe you only hear parts of it. You can always go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. If you don't rem- remember the name of a guest or anything like that, it's all there. Um, we're going to spend an ex- extra time with Emily today because you're going to give... Five big extra minutes. Five big extra... You get five more <laughs> minutes because uh, you're going to tell us all about the Synod in 10 minutes. Okay? <laughs> so Emily's going to give us some news from the Synod. Nothing else is happening around the world in the Catholic Church. <laughs> it's all about the Synod. That's in about five minutes after our first song. And Billy, you have a question for dummies. Yes. The uh, question about the DAV. A question about the dead. <laughs> okay. Not the, not the, de- the dead. I'm sorry. The, the dead. dead. Yes, the question about the dead. So <laughs> we're going to, that'll be after Emily, Church for Dummies. And uh, a reminder um, for those of you that were listening to the program last week, or if you weren't listening, if you want to go to the Holy Land with me in March 2019, mm-hmm. contact me at Deacon Pedro GM or visit nsgrotto.org to get more information. The deadline is November 15th, so hurry up. All that information was in last week's program. But yeah, very exciting um, that I, our listeners can maybe join me in the Holy Land in March in 2019. Maybe Emily, Billy, you guys want to come? I mean, yeah. I would love to go back yeah. to the Holy I Land. I really come, want come. to go. Never been. Okay, so now the real question for you guys is, do you guys read the Bible? I do. Yes. That's probably not what you wanted to hear. No, 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 I do. But I'm going <laughs> to, what, like every day? Like you read the Bible? Uh, How many Bibles do you own, Billy? Oh, oh I have a lot. I have like, really. You just told me you only had one. No, no, I have one. Okay. That, is that you Catholic. use? 
No, no, I have what? one that is broken. There is Catholic Bible. It's broken. I have another <laughs> one. No, no, it's really like you know, read too much. You know, it's, it's broken. The, the second yeah, yeah. one is Chinese and English. Okay, which okay, is yeah, okay. which so is the one you yeah. like. Yes, and the all the others are Protestant. Okay, okay, Bible. but but they're the same. They're Bible. The, they're, I cannot well, say the same, but differences. Yeah, no, what? There's only some books that are missing. No, in no, the Protestant but, Bible. But it's all because of no, the all the Protestant brothers and sisters. They always give me Bible. But the translation is the same. <laughs> Yes, the translation is yes. the same. It's just yes. the Protestant Bible is missing. You should books. do a book swap with your Protestant friends and give them a Catholic Bible. Yeah, I should do that. All the Catholics should do that too. We should anyway, <laughs> Emily. Well, okay, so when you guys speak to people, because you know you speak to people, you do catechism, Billy. Uh-huh. Um, what are some excuses that people give for not reading the Bible? It's too difficult. It's too difficult to understand. Yeah. No time. No they time. don't understand the stories. They don't understand the right? stories. Mm-hmm. Lots of the word is too small. Where do you even start? Where do you even start? <laughs> yeah, the print is too small yeah. and, and the pages are too thin. Where do you start? There's no graphics. Right, and then, and then people don't read the Bible, right? It's boring. Well, but wouldn't it be great if there was a Bible that was just super cool and easy to read? There is. <laughs> well... <laughs> There is. Yeah. I'm trying to help you. No, you are. You are. You are. So in our second half hour, we're going to be speaking with Jeff Cavins. Do you guys know who Jeff is? He's the author of the massively popular Great Adventure Bible series. So he's the Bible study program that he's put mm. together. A lot of people, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with the Great, uh, the great Adventure Bible study program. Um, there's a new Bible yeah. that's called the Great Adventure Catholic Bible that's published by Ascension Press. Um, and it's, they say that this is a Bible that's actually designed to help you learn how to read the Bible. Mm, that's so, wonderful. And it's super cool. because I mean, I love it because it's got all these amazing – look at the maps. Oh, beautiful maps. Colorful. Colorful maps. It's got uh, – like it's all color-coded so you can follow easily follow a timeline because you're reading stories that you don't know what yeah. follows what. But here if you follow the color code, you know what stories follow what. There's all these articles – um, there, there's little like graphics. I love the graphics. Billy likes the graphics so that you can, you know, help understand mm-hmm. stuff. So anyway, so this is the great, uh, adventure. I can pass it around. There you go. It's Emily very, very nice. The great adventure Catholic Bible published by Ascension Press. So that's going to be a conversation with Jeff Cavins, who's one of the creators and uh, editors of this Bible. So that's going to be at the end, at the end of the program. Or sorry, in our second half hour. And then at the end of the program, we're going to be speaking with, do you guys know, if I say the name, you won't because you guys didn't grow up in speaking English in church. Dan Schutte. No. Okay. No. So you might not know his name. I'm sure a lot of listeners do. Here I Am, Lord. Mm-hmm. The song. Sing a new song. Sing a new song. Glory and praise to our God. Yeah. City of God, awake from your slumber. What? Um, you are um, you are near you are him oh him <laughs> that's the, yeah they're all from him Dan Schutte so Dan Schutte is 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 one of the most beloved liturgical composers in at least the English world he's one of the 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 St. Louis Jesuits um, and he has a new collection he's still writing music the new collection mm-hmm. is published by Oregon Catholic Press and it's titled Love and Grace. And so it's mm-hmm. very fun that Dan is going to be back in the Salt of Night Hour with me uh, today. So to tell us all about this <clears throat> new collection, um, it's always fun to speak with Dan Schutte. So why don't we start with one of the songs from that new collection? And this is actually a good one for all saints and all souls. It's called Saints and Beloved of God by Dan Schutte from his latest collection, Love and Grace. Thank you. 
That was Saints and Beloved of God by Dan Schutte from his latest collection, Love and Grace. And we're going to be speaking with Dan Schutte in about 30 minutes. But first, here with (laughs) me is Emily, back from Rome. Back from Rome. How are you feeling? Not even, hasn't even been, no, it must have been 24 hours 24 hours. At least, at least one day back, yeah. How do you feel? Um... Hmm, that's a good question. Mix of emotions, I would say, because I think, uh, you know, coming back from that kind of experience, you almost feel like, did that really happen? I know. eh? You know, you're there, you're gone for a month, and then all of a sudden you come back home, things are back to normal, you fall into your routine really easily, and you just think like, what what just happened? And and it went really fast, even though when you were in the middle of it, it was probably taking forever. Well, yeah, Yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, So, but but honestly, I would say the experience itself ended... um, with a lot of joy mm-hmm. and a lot of hope, um, I, 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 I can I, I want to share a little bit of a story. Yeah, please. 
after the closing mass, which yeah. was beautiful. We had on the Sunday, closing mass yeah. on Sunday, uh, despite the terrible weather. Mm-hmm. Um, we were inside the Basilica, St. Peter's Basilica. And after the mass, everyone found themselves again in this hall, uh, which I forget the name now. It's a famous hall in the, Va- the Vatican Basilica. Uh-huh. But that's where the priests were vest- or the bishops were vesting before yes, mass. And yes. so they go back obviously too yes um so um so the auditors and the synod fathers were processing out of the basilica going back to that Mm -hmm. hall and because the auditors were first as soon as the synod fathers came well we clapped so we were just so joyful and happy we're like wow like this is the end guys you know so we were clapping and 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 shouting and then when the synod fathers started arriving in that hall as well well we were kind of all all right at the entrance and as they're coming in, we're clapping our hands even harder and, and yelling and shouting and just um, basically as a, as a, a thank you yeah. and a way to express, you know, how, how happy we were that uh-huh. we got to share this experience with them for a whole month, you know. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, we all just yelled out like, thank you, Synod Fathers. Thank you, Synod yeah, yeah, Fathers. Yeah. And we started singing uh, Jesus Christ, You're My Life because yeah. it's a song that we had sung during yeah. the Synod. So there was just this beautiful moment that I think expressed um the general you know mood, yeah. mood yeah. of um of this month nice so yeah nice. so it was it was a really really moving um, yeah. moving way to, f- good. to finish good so, yeah. um last time we spoke you were just about to conclude you just finished all the small mm. groups and this mm-hmm. final document was being written the final document had been written it's been approved tell me about that process on that saturday when you know, they were voting. How did right. that work? So, uh, so you're right. So they they did. They wrote the draft, and then once the first draft draft was written, um, the synod fathers could intervene and and share what they would hope to see modified okay. in the document. Yeah. So they sent what they call modi. So uh-huh. they're the you know proposals for changes in the document. Yeah. So so then on the Thursday, mm-hmm. Friday, Friday yeah. they were given the final. Uh, document. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'm making a mistake. Right. It was Saturday morning. They were given the final Amazing. document because we were reading it in the Synod you Hall. You were reading it as you were voting sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we um, so we were uh, listening to the simultaneous translation while it was being read in Italian. And then after um, after the break, we started voting on it. So it must have been like the longest day in the world for you as they, you know, you read the whole thing. Right. Or, just, or parts one and two in the morning. Right. Exactly. So parts one and two were read in the morning because mm-hmm. that, that's all we had time to do. And then and then they dismissed us for the afternoon break as usual. So they said to the Synod Fathers to go and read part three on their own. And then in the afternoon, we were back for the final session. That's when we started voting on each of the paragraphs. So, And, and you're voting, but so so just so that people, mm-hmm. and you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. so it's not like you're voting on like the new constitution of the church or anything. Right. It's like you're kind of like this document is, is, is sort of like the minutes of this month-long meeting that you've had and you're right. kind of voting and saying, yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah, we did talk about that. Right. Right? Right. And I mean, the, the wording too is important because I think... Um uh, there, there could be ambiguity or um, maybe vagueness, um, and yeah. so a, a lot of the modifications that were made um, were taken into account, and some paragraphs were completely removed. So sometimes from the draft, from the draft, exactly. Yes. So from the draft and the final document are different. Are complete. Are, are very yeah, different. Very different. Um, just because. 
some synod fathers didn't agree with the way something was right. written, certain right. terms that might have been used, or uh, or how much uh, room something was given in the in the document. Right. Right. So then, once all that is changed, then exactly, you're not necessarily. Um, it's not a vote on all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah, like you're new like, teaching. No, 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 no new no, teaching. No, it's just a vote on this is what actually took place during the last month. Right, because you can't do that inside and wait, of four oh, weeks. No, of course. Yeah. Well, no, and that's not the purpose of the synod no, anyway. exactly. Um, and that's not how the church works. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the paragraphs were approved? All of the paragraphs, with a majority. So you need... Okay, but they were approved. They were approved, yeah. Yeah, so all the paragraphs were approved. So yes. the document was approved. There were some paragraphs. So So... Some paragraphs had some people voting against them. Yeah, there was there were some some votes that were not that. Yeah, didn't um, it wasn't the majority. Okay. It, obviously, it was it was a very small number of synod fathers who voted no to mm. certain paragraphs. Right. Um, those were things that had to do mostly with. Um, uh, so there was paragraphs on um, moral, like the moral teaching of the church on sexuality. Uh-huh. And, and so the paragraphs that say where it was, there was mention of homosexuality, mm-hmm. those paragraphs had more, uh, what they say, non-platchet, which is yeah. a no vote, more people right? Voting more against people voting against against But that doesn't it. mean that they were against what, what it said necessarily. Maybe they were voting no because they thought that it didn't go far enough. So, so th- yeah, so that's, yeah. So, um, so we don't know what, Obviously, motivated motivates or what motivates a no. It shouldn't be that word. It should be this other word. Exactly. I'm going to vote no for the whole paragraph. Exactly. Because because these are things that you know it it is new for these things to be in a in a church document like this, right? So um, we don't know what it is that they're voting no against. It could be that for them it just didn't go far enough, Mm -hmm. or or maybe they still have an issue with with what's being said. Uh, It could be the wording as well. Maybe there's like one sentence that they're not clear on. And so, you know, but again, there was a constraint of time as well, which is a lot of um, a lot of what some of the Synod Fathers are saying is that, you know, one, the document was all in Italian. So for the Synod Fathers who, whether or not it's their first language or not, they just it's not as comprehensible a a language as their first language. Um, And as well, um, the fact that they didn't have that much time to really read it. Because, for example, with part three, we read it together and Right after we didn't even have a break, it was right after we finished reading. We started voting, on, we started right voting right on, on part. So three. then, this document again, it's not like definitive teaching or anything. So this document no. is given to the Holy Father, and the Holy mm-hmm. Father can do whatever he wants with that. He can ignore right. it. He can write an, an apostolic, apostolic exhortation. You told us that last week, or he can. Um, right. My last question for you, because you did have a hand in writing the pre-synodal do, synodal document mm-hmm. in in March. Out of that came the the working document for this synod. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, all the discussions, and then now there's a new document that you did not have a hand in writing. Mm-hmm, but do you feel right. like you did have a hand in writing it because you were part of that whole process? So I would say there's a, a few a different, sorry, a couple ways that I feel like I was a part of this, of the writing of this document. Uh, one, because the pre-synodal document uh, was included in the Instrumentum Laboris. So it was yes. quoted often. Mm-hmm. The ideas that came out of the pre-synod were included in the Instrumentum, Instrumentum Laboris, and that was the basis of our work this month mm-hmm. so even and, and in our small group so that's one thing mm-hmm. um so like there's there's a lot of con- continuity between the pre-synod and what came out of of right. this synod and also in our small groups auditors had an opportunity to speak so 
we well we had an opportunity to speak in the synod hall right with mm-hmm. our intervention our four minute interventions but then in our small groups um, we could maybe not vote on modifications that that we wanted to uh, right. uh, propose but we could still react and give um, explanations or maybe you know give our our, our opinions about okay. certain topics certain and certain paragraphs yeah. and I think we would we were given a lot of space to do that. Yeah, so, good. so I would say that we were part of the writing yeah. of it, you know, because um, because we were part of the conversation. Absolutely, so. and that was the whole point of the thing. Okay, we're mm-hmm. gonna need to leave it there. Of course, we knew we didn't weren't gonna have enough time. Mm-hmm. But there's we've done a whole bunch of programs on Salt and Light Television about the Synod, saltandlighttv.org/synod. There's weekly analysis, and this week there's of course a program with Emily where we will uh, where we analyze the the final document and that whole f- process a little in a little more detail. So you can find that at saltandlighttv.org. Slash Synod. So good to have you back, it's Emily. Good to be back. Um, we'll see you next week. Yes. Emily Callan, our Salt and Light Hour news producer. This last month, she was an auditor for the Synod of Bishops on Young People, the Faith, and Vocational Discernment. You can follow her at Emmy Callan. Hi, everyone. This is Danielle Noonan. Hello, I'm Sean Garrison. Hi, I'm Rita West. Hi, this is John Singh. This is Stephen. And I'm Rachel. We are the Mosley. This is Carlson Cooley. And you're listening to the Salt and Light and Hour. And you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour. Salt and Light Hour. And you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour. And you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You're listening to the Salt and Light Radio Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro, inviting you to come to the Holy Land with me in March 2019. Contact me at Deacon Pedro GM to get more information or go to nsgrotto.org. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies. With Billy Chan. Hello. Hello, Billy. You have a a difficult question today. It is a very difficult question. I, um, uh, you know, I didn't say, I think all the questions are difficult. That's what I find. Okay, because I'm dummy. Some are are more difficult than others. (laughs) Yes. So, um, you know, this coming, no, but. uh, This last week. This last week. Yes. Thursday was All Saints Day. All Saints Day. And Friday was All Souls Day. All Souls Day. And, you know, when I think about souls, I think about, you know, all. Oh, it's a spirit. Oh, you know where where is where are the souls? So first question. Okay, okay wait, wait. Okay, okay. <laughs> wait. First question. Yes. Okay, there are souls in different different places: heaven, purgatory, yes. and and yes. Uh, hell. Yes. So which souls we are referencing to? What uh, kind of souls? All Souls Day would be... You're right. That's a very good question. And I don't think you'll find anywhere, anywhere in the catechism that will say that we are only praying for... I mean, souls in in heaven don't need our prayers. So we're not praying for saints. There's a question too. But anyway, go go, keep going. So because because the question really is... See, you're not asking me which which souls we're praying for. Which souls are we praying for? Ah, is that the question? That's the question. Because that's a different question. Yes. Okay, so we're praying for the souls in purgatory. Because they're they're the souls that need our prayers. Okay, but if you're, we if have, no, if no, the, the soul is in hell, okay. the prayers are not going to do anything. If they're in heaven, they don't need our prayers. The only souls that need prayers are the souls in purgatory. Oh, okay. So some people ask me, how about 
Oh, we have souls too. Right. But no, this, so here is earlier, er, just so that our listeners know, earlier, <laughs> earlier before we started recording, Billy was telling me about how he loves, because we're going to be talking about the Bible, the, the Great Adventure Bible later on. Um, he has a Chinese English Bible. Yes. And you like that Bible because you're able to read it in English Reference and then you read them. it in Chinese. And sometimes you see it in Chinese and you go, oh, that's not at all yeah. what I understand what it says in English. Exactly. So in Spanish, okay. All Souls Day is actually Day of the Dead. All, all, oh. all the day of, all dead day. How do you say it? Dia de los difuntos. Mm. So I we're praying for, we're praying for the dead. Oh, okay. We're not just, but I think maybe in English to say it's all the day of the dead, it's not it, as it's nice. Not, yeah. Um, so that's what we say All Souls Day. I see. So uh, they, because of that question, yes. we have a second question. Okay. The question is more like uh, harder, I find, which is, um, you know, the the, um, the souls in heaven, yes. which is the saints. Saints, yes. They can always pray for us. The, absolutely. Because we always ask them for prayer, right? Because absolutely. they're very close to they're God. They're very close to God. They can intercede for us, yes. Yeah. But how about... The souls in purgatory. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to say, <laughs> and this is a disclaimer, and, and I think some of our listeners might be surprised to hear this. Maybe they'll be upset with me, but it's the truth. There what? is no definitive teaching on purgatory. You're not answering my question? Okay. No, just I'm just <laughs> saying, even though, and I'm going to I'm going to look it up in the catechism. So okay. everything that we know about purgatory okay. or everything that we believe about purgatory, we believe because it's common sense. Oh. There are certain things in scripture that, like in the book of Maccabees that tell yes. us that it's okay to pray for the dead or that St. Paul even talks about how you can uh, account for, for that prayer, that sins can be forgiven even after death. So that's where our belief uh, comes from that we can that, that we can pray for people who have already died. Okay, but nobody has ever been dead and come back yeah, yeah. to tell us what it's like. So this idea of purgatory, of purging, um, comes from the understanding that you can only be in saint together with God if you're in a state of perfection. Most of us are not in a state of perfection, even though we're not in a state of mortal sin to go to hell. So we need to be perfected, purified, and that even comes from St. Peter, the letter to Peter about refining like fire and all that, right? Um, but that's interesting because of, uh, can we believe in purgatory then? Yeah, we can. We can. So in the catechism. Okay. I'll tell you. Yeah. Just so you know, and I put put in, putting on my glasses yeah, be so quick. I can make sure I get it. Okay, <laughs> and this is number ten thirty one and ten thirty two talk about purgatory. Uh huh. Okay, so purgatory refers to a state of purification hmm. of the people that are on their way to heaven. Okay? Oh, okay. So if you're in okay. purgatory, it means that you're on your way to heaven. Okay. Um, but it and and it talks about the book of Maccabees and some other places in scripture where we get these things and and how this this doctrine of faith on purgatory uh, it was meant you know brought up in certain councils uh, like the Council of Trent but it actually oh. doesn't say anything. It sounds like a gas station then, you know you don't have enough gas to go to heaven so you need to. It sounds like a gas station. It's like the the ante room and... or the back door, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, all those images are good images, but it actually doesn't say anything. About you know, so it's not details. No, the yeah. church. It says in ten thirty two, the church commends almsgiving, indulgences, and works of penance undertaken on behalf of the dead, um, and that's also taken from scripture. But it doesn't say that we have to, or that uh, you know, like we believe. We I, I think that it's fair to say that the church says that we believe that we can pray for the dead because they can use our prayers because they can't pray for themselves because they're already dead, so they're they're they've already been judged. Okay, but they can pray for us. And we can pray for them. Okay. 
that doesn't answer the question, but that's okay. Maybe <laughs> maybe our listeners will respond to us. Uh, uh, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Yeah, please write to us. B. Joe Chan, at B. Joe Chan, Twitter. And you can complain to Billy about these hard questions. <laughs> and uh, maybe maybe thank we you. can continue this next week. Yes, we should. All right. Thank you, Billy thank you Chan. Thank you very much. Billy Chan, the webmaster here at Salt and Light TV, are also our resident expert dummy. You can follow him at B. Joe Chan. My name is Oriana Bertucci, and I'm a monthly guardian for Salt and Light. After considering what was important to me, my faith, my family, my friends, my health, I wanted to find ways to support these priorities. If I made a monthly payment to my gym to support my physical well-being, why not make a monthly donation to the Guardian program to support my spiritual well-being? One of the things that I love about Salt and Light is the way that they bring the Universal Church into your living room or onto your mobile device. Whether the day's news is coming from Rome, the Philippines, Brazil, or right here at home, Salt and Light brings us a broad and balanced perspective of how the church's news impacts me today in my local community. So why not consider your priorities? Consider becoming a monthly guardian for Salt and Light Television. Support not only your own spiritual well-being, but the spiritual well-being of thousands of others. Coming up in our second half hour, The Great Adventure Catholic Bible with Jeff Cavins and a featured chat with beloved liturgical composer Dan Schutte. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I think it's safe to say that most of us struggle when it comes to reading the Bible. It's, it's hard to understand, hard to keep track of who's who, hard to know what's where, and even sometimes how to read all those strange names. Wouldn't it be nice to have a Bible that makes it simple and even shows you how to actually read it? Well, that Bible exists. It's called the Great Adventure Catholic Bible, and to tell us all about it, I'm now joined by Jeff Cavins. He's co-editor of this Bible and the creator of the Great Adventure Bible Study Series. Jeff, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. It's good to be with you. So, what's so special about this Bible? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think what's uh, what's really special uh, about it is that, as far as I know, it's the only Bible that actually uh, has built into it. Um, the key to how to read it. You know, how do you read the Bible in chronological order okay. uh, as, a sto- as a large story? So how does that work, I, I, the color-codedness? Because that's the first thing that's really obvious when you grab it. You see all the colors. How does that, yeah. quickly, how does that work? Well, the Great Adventure Study it basically takes the most complex book in the world, the Bible, and makes it simple. And uh-huh. we do that by dividing the Bible up into 12 periods, and then to read through those 12 periods, those are color-coded periods, uh, we, at that point then, we take the 14 out of the 73 books that are narrative. In other words, they keep the story moving, yeah. and, and uh, we, we build the Bible uh, around that. That's the color-coded, color-coded system. And so you, you have built into the Bible the Bible timeline chart, yeah. which goes through the 12 periods and the 14 narrative books, and then the other 59, you can see visually where they belong. And now we've brought all that to a Bible, and with some articles on how to pray Scripture, uh, how to interpret Scripture by Dr. Peter Williamson, Dr. Right. Mary Healy, just some really outstanding scholars. 
Yeah. Um, you mentioned the the Bible study, the Great Adventure Bible study, and maybe some of our listeners are not familiar with that. Can you explain? I mean, you explained the timeline part of it. Um, what what else can you tell us about the the Bible study program? Yeah, the Great Adventure Bible study, <laughs> excuse me, is is uh, basically uh, twenty four weeks through the entire Bible from uh, Genesis to Revelation, and we study it in chronological order. So I take you through uh, on video and workbook and small group discussion, take you through that entire story. And then we also have an abbreviated version called Unlocking the Mystery of the Bible, which is eight one-half-hour sessions where we can get someone up and going in in short short order. And the nice thing about it is is that uh, if you've never even picked up a Bible before, uh, with this system, you can understand at least the basic structure and how to start reading it very, very quickly. Right. So, but can I use the Bible, this new Bible, without doing the Bible study? Like, does the Bible work on its own as well? It does, yeah. It does work on its own. The timeline charts yeah. are in there, and the color code system is in there, and an explanation on how to do it. And you can use the Great Adventure Bible uh, with any other study, too. You know, right. Whatever study you, you might, uh, might be involved in. Yeah, I, I I think that I mean I love I love charts and I love maps. I'm clearly I'm a visual person, um, so and I find myself this is why one of the things I love about this Bible. I mean the maps are are, are are amazing, but I have other Bibles that also have great maps, and I find myself flipping back and forth a lot of times. I'll, I'll read something and then I want to go back to the map and see where it is, and and it gives me a, a fuller picture. Um, would you say that? that is an appropriate way to read the Bible, that, that we're, we're not reading it, that we're reading it as, that, that we're studying it as we're reading it. I guess, I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah there, you know, there's different ways of, of uh, approaching the Bible. One is purely a devotional where you read, <laughs> you read and, um, and, and you pray. Yes. Pray scriptures. Yes, yes. And then there's you know, academic studies where people are just going after the the meaning of the authors, and uh, you know, and and then going into the spiritual, uh, the, you know, the, the spiritual aspect of it, you know, how right. it relates to Jesus, our own life, and the future. Um, so, what, one thing that's really interesting, though, and you brought up something there, and you talk about, you know, studying it, yeah. uh, is that the the Jewish mindset is very different than the Greek mindset. The Greek yes. mindset um, was really they would study in order to, you know, to understand and to use. Whereas Jews in Jesus' day, they studied to revere, and so uh, study was actually a form of worship in right. Jesus' day. And you could you could open the Bible. We didn't have Bibles back then; they had the Torah scrolls. Yeah. But you could op- you could open up the Torah scroll, and you could study, and that was considered a form of, of worshiping God. Yeah, yeah, and I, I can see that even in my own experience. That and and I know it's like well, I'm told we're, we're to read the Bible, we're to study the Bible, we're to pray with the Bible. But sometimes, as you say, all those three are are one and the same. Um, mm-hmm. How did you get involved with this project? Well, you know, we've, do, we've been doing the, the Bible studies for uh, a lot, many years now, and I think something like 1.6 million people now have gone through the Great Adventure study. Yeah. And so uh, we kept, you know, thinking uh, we'd really like to see a good Bible out there that's really sturdy, usable, has um, red letter edition, you know, where Jesus' words are yeah. read, uh, extra margin space to write some notes in the, you know, in the margin, and... Um, 
and, and, and a binding that will last, and, and a good feel to it. Because I really think that you know, a Bible is something very personal, and it stays with you for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, make it a pleasurable experience, a tactile experience. Mm-hmm. Um, what is So all of that, um, I guess, is part of the, your hope on how people are going to use it. And I, I appreciate what you said about the, the binding and the cover because I have so many Bibles, and you can tell which are the ones that, that are falling apart because you use them a lot, and they're all written and scribbled. And um, yeah. Is your hope that, that this, this is, a, and I hate to call it a tool, but it's a tool that will help people um, go deeper into our faith through the Bible? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that they go deeper in, into our faith, uh, even probably more to the point. I'm hoping that they will discover the heart of our Heavenly Father, hmm. and that they will discover His plan of sheer goodness that He has for us. And by doing that, they will have a foundation for trusting God. And I think that, you know, the the end of all Bible study really is the doing of it, mm-hmm. and, um, and getting it's a personal letter. I mean, it's a letter written by a father to his children, Vatican II says, and, and so we need to approach it as, as children who are being taught, and God is revealing himself in words and deeds, and our response is, is the same. We respond with words, and we respond in, in deeds as well. So my, my overall goal is that people would come to know the heart of their Heavenly Father and that they would know his plan, resulting in an amazing relationship of trust mm-hmm. and worship. Maybe in closing, what would you tell that one person that says, I, I, I believe, I go to Mass, I, I'm a faithful Catholic, I don't need to read the Bible? What would you tell them? I, I would say, um, you, you don't, yeah, you're right, you don't need to, you get to. Um, <laughs> but but um, it, it is the greatest source of revelation, and it's inspired by God. It's, it's, it's different than all other writings, all other books and publications, in that God is the author, you know, along with the human authors. And if God came down to our level, and um, and uh, he and he was con con you know condescension, he comes down to our level like a an yeah. adult with an infant, and he's speaking to us very personally. That's worth reading, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, those are wise words, and I'm very excited. This this is now Bible number eight in my collection, and I love having different translations because then I can compare in different languages. So that's well. Um, thank you, thank you very much for for uh, reaching out and letting us know about this. And I hope that our listeners will uh, uh, go and find out and get it re re inspired into picking up their their dusty Bibles and 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 uh, not just reading them but praying with them and studying them as well. Thank you. Appreciate it. Jeff Cavins is probably one of the best Catholic Bible scholars and teachers. He is the creator of the Great Adventure Bible Study Program and one of the editors of the Great Adventure Catholic Bible, available through Ascension Press. Here now is The Mystery of God by Dan Schutte from his new collection, Love and Grace. Thank you. 
That was Mystery of God by Dan Schutte from his new collection, Love and Grace. Dan Schutte is most certainly one of the most well-known, influential, and beloved liturgical composers of our time. He began his composing career almost 50 years ago, collaborating with the St. Louis Jesuits, collaborations that produced classics such as Here I Am, Lord, City of God, and Sing a New Song. Dan has continued making music and now has a new collection that marks 50 years of composing music for prayer and worship and celebrates God's eternal gifts of love and grace, which is actually the title of the collection, Love and Grace. And to tell us all about it, I'm now joined by Dan Schutte. Dan, welcome back to the Sultanite Hour. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks so much for yeah, the invitation. It's so good to hear you and, and to get to speak to you. So tell us about this new collection. What's, uh, what's new about the new collection? Well, the new, the new collection is actually 14 songs mm-hmm. um, that I've been working on over the course of the last six years. I, I've never been one of those composers who, who cranks out a new collection of music you know, every year or two. Right. This is, so this, this is the work of six years. Um, some of the pieces are already in print form, um, and some of them, the brand newer ones, are not yet, okay. but very close. Okay. And, uh, so, and again, it, it's liturgical music, music to be used in liturgy? or Well, it's, it's both for liturgy and for personal prayer and for spirituality. Personal prayer, yeah. Okay. Um, in the little, I guess, description of the of the collection, it, it says that it marks 50 years of composing. So would you say, <laughs> I don't want to date you, but, but is, it, is, it, is there something about this collection that is celebrating your 50-year career? Well, it's, it's um, I don't know how I want to say this. It's, <laughs> the 50 years are, are, comes up next year, actually, it's yes. my earliest published yes, song. that's true. And and so this this collection was it's it's not wasn't primarily created to mark the fifty years, mm-hmm. but it comes up at about that. Date. So it's that right timing. Would you say that your your uh, composing your music writing? I mean, obviously you've grown <laughs> all these years. How how would you say that your com- composing has changed, or what has changed about how you write music in the last fifty years? Well, I think I think I've learned the musical skills better than I ha- did in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have much music training; it, it was very informal yeah. in my early years. Since then, I've had more of that. So that's part of the in- part of the influence, though, is is just my own journey of faith uh-huh. and the maturing that goes on. You know, as we go on through life, there are different challenges mm-hmm. and so forth, and hopefully, our faith continues to grow and mature as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you chose to call this collection Love and Grace, so is that reflective of where you are in your life now, in a way? It is, and, and I should should mention that the Love and Grace title actually comes from one of the pieces right. on the collection. Yeah. The closing piece is called These Alone Are Enough, mm-hmm. um, which was actually first published back in 2005. Mm-hmm. But in that piece, These Alone Are Enough, there's, in the refrain section of it, it's, give me nothing more than your love and grace, mm. the alone of God are enough for me. Mm-hmm. So that's where the title was pulled from. Mm-hmm. But, but the love and grace sort of captured for me the, the overall um, feel and prayerfulness of this collection of music. 
Yeah, and that's very much, I mean, that's the prayer of St. Ignatius. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, which which I presume it still forms part of your spirituality and your how you pray. Well, very much so, Deacon Pedro. I was a Jesuit, many people know I was a yes. Jesuit for 20 years of my life, and so Ignatian spirituality is at, at the very core of my own journey of faith and also of my music. Mm-hmm. So the, the thong, song that I just mentioned, These Alone Are Enough, is, exa- is actually a prayer by St. Ignatius that I set to music. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm always fascinating by when, you know, I don't know if you, when you were writing these songs or as these songs were coming to you over the last six years, if you were thinking, oh, I'm working towards a collection, or if eventually you got to 14 songs and you thought, you know, these kind of all work together as a collection, and how you're able to pick that one song that, in this case, called, you know, that's about love and grace, the prayer of St. Ignatius, that kind of brings it all together. Um, yes. and, and how that, I don't know, for you, is that something that is more organic or something that is more planned or, you know, in good Ignatian kind of discernment, does it sort of, <laughs> does the Holy Spirit guide you through that? How does that process for you? So much of it is the Holy Spirit that... I suppose in the back of my mind six years ago, after my previous collection, um, I, and I began writing the pieces individually, in the back of my mind there was always the thought that someday these pieces would fit yeah. together in a collection. But I didn't thematically imagine them that way. Um, there's a wide variety of pieces on here. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a piece for Ash Wednesday, mm-hmm. um, called Ashes to Ashes. There's a version of the Beatitudes. Um, there's a, a piece called Canticle of Creation. That's, mm-hmm. that's St. Francis, Canticle of the Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's, I mean, there's just a ton of different themes that I cover. It just, the love and grace overall theme just seemed to fit to pull all of those disparate uh prayers together. Mm-hmm. Do, you, you said that you don't, you're not, you know, crunching out n- n- new albums every year, but I presume that you're constantly composing, that you're always sort of sitting, you know, I don't know if you sit at the piano or if you pick up your guitar or, or how, what is that c- composing process for you? you? You're absolutely right. So I'm either sitting at the piano or with a guitar on my lap. Yeah. Um, much of my inspiration comes either from going to Sunday Mass and hearing uh, a piece of Scripture, and sometimes it's just one line from the piece of Scripture, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, why, why haven't I ever right. heard yeah. that line before? Yeah. Why, yeah. why hasn't it ever struck me the way it did today? Yeah. Um, sometimes I'm at liturgy, and I'm also thinking to myself, you know, People could really use a song to to celebrate and pray through this particular moment or this particular ritual. Mm-hmm. The, the, the ashes to ashes piece mm-hmm. that I mentioned was one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I created that piece, um, I was thinking not only of Ash Wednesday, which is the obvious choice, but I made the piece universal enough so that it could be sung through all the Sundays of the season of Lent. Right. The verses come from different scripture passages that we hear throughout that whole season. 
do you do you find that you then you you come up with the lyrics because it's scripture based first and then the music comes or is it oftentimes that the music you might hear a scripture passage and it comes to you with that music usually it starts with the scripture passage and, yeah. and it, often many times it's only one one single line um, mm-hmm. it's not that i have i've never really um had a whole text for a song all mapped out right. and then written music to it. Uh, but it does start with the one line or two lines of scripture. And then I started the music. And then what, what often happens is the, the music runs away beyond yes. the point where the words end. And then I have to fill in the words yeah. um, beyond that. Wonderful. Um, but one of the interesting, one of the interesting things that I do, Deacon Pedro, when I sit down to write a piece of music is in the, in my mind's eye, I'm imagining a community of people at worship. Yeah. How are they going to sing this? What mm-hmm. What can I write, both melodically but also spiritually in the text? What can I write to help them to pray this moment? Right. Yeah. And I think you've done that. Always, you've done that very well. So I think that on behalf of all our listeners, we, we can thank you um, for... I mean, I, I, I know that there's going to be more collections. It's not like your career is over. So um, I'm looking sure. forward to more more great stuff coming from you. Thank you so much, uh, Dan, for very for the work that you do and, and for telling us all about it. It's my privilege to do it. Dan Schutte is a liturgical composer. You can bring him to your parish. He loves that. And all you have to do is ask. Go to his website, Dan Schutte Music. And just so that you know, it's Schutte, S-C-H-U-T-T-E, danschutemusic.com. You can find out more how to do that, how to reach him. His latest collection is Love and Grace, published by Oregon Catholic Press. Here now is I Found the Treasure by Dan Schutte from his latest collection, Love and Grace. listening to I Found the Treasure by Dan Schutte from his latest collection, Love and Grace, and that will bring us to the end of the program this week. Remember that if you missed any part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org radio. 
And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can also download the Salt and Light Hour podcast off iTunes or the Google Play Store. You can find out how you can come to the Holy Land with me next March. Go to mm-hmm. nsgrotto.org or contact me at Deacon Pedro GM. You can write to us, radio at saltandlighttv.org or via Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Salt and Light TV. Again, I'm at Deacon Pedro GM and Billy is at B. Joe Chan. And I'm at Emmy Callen. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Emily Callen. So good to have you back, Emily. I'm Deacon Pedro and this has been the, the Salt, Salt and Light, Light Hour. Hour.